Welcome to the Feminist Book Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Lou, founder of the FPC Paris Book Club, a community of readers that focuses on intersectional feminism. We first met as a group in September 2018 at Shakespeare and Company Bookshop. Since March 2020, we have been meeting online and welcoming authors to some of our book club sessions. To see what we are up to as a community, you can follow us on Instagram at the FBC Paris or Substack. Today on the podcast, I'm talking to Daisy Johnson, author of Sisters, which was our October book club pick. And it gave a few of us uh, nightmares while we were reading. Daisy was born in 1990 and her debut short story collection, Fen, was published in 2016. Just two years later, in 2018, Daisy became the youngest author ever to be shortlisted for the Man Booker Prize with her debut novel, Everything Under. On the podcast, we speak about the trio of women featured in Sisters, about love, about bodies, about water, as well as Daisy's writing process and what we can expect next from her. So sit back and enjoy. Welcome to the FBC Paris. Hi, thank you so much. So nice to talk to you. So happy to be able to talk to you about Sisters. Absolutely thrilling. We discussed it in book club and there were a couple of us who definitely had nightmares while reading. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, the, the, the job was well done. Before we get into talking about this fantastic book and the really complex characters would you like to read us a passage from sisters yeah I'd love to thank you um so I'm just going to read the first couple of pages my sister is a black hole my sister is a tornado my sister is the end of the line my sister is the locked door my sister is a shot in the dark my sister is waiting for me my sister is a falling tree My sister is a bricked up window. My sister is a wishbone. My sister is the night train. My sister is the last packet of crisps. My sister is a long lion. My sister is a forest on fire. My sister is a sinking ship. My sister is the last house on the street. A house, slices of it through the hedge, across the fields, dirty white, windows sunk into the brick, hand in hand in the back seat, the arrow of light from the sunroof. Two of us, shoulder to shoulder, sharing air. A long way to come, up the bone of the country, skimming the Birmingham Ring Road, past Nottingham, Sheffield and Leeds, breaching the Pennines. This the year we are haunted. What? This the year, as any other, in which we are friendless, necessary only to ourselves. This the year we waited in the rain by the old tennis court for them to arrive. Sounds on the radio. Higher temperatures are coming from the south. Police in Whitby. The shush, shush, shush of mum's hands on the wheel. Our thoughts like swallows. Front of the car rising and falling like a bow. There is sea out there somewhere. Pulling the duvet over our heads. This the year, 
something else is the terror. The road edging away and then dropping from sight. The judder, judder, judder as we move from tarmac to dirt. Is mum crying? I don't know. Should we ask? No answer to that. And anyway, the house is there now. And no time to go back or try again or do things over. This fear, we are houses. Lights on in every window. Doors that won't quite shut. When one of us speaks, we both feel the words moving on our tongues. When one of us eats, we both feel the food slipping down our gullets. It would have surprised neither of us to have found slit open that we shared organs, that one's lungs breathed for the both, that a single heart beat a doubling feverish pulse. Thank you. What a beginning. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you start as you mean to go on. And I'm, you know, I'm going to try and keep this spoiler free. <laughs> It's but hard also, to do. <laughs> if things come out, I'm not going to apologise. <laughs> I'll just say on the podcast, spoiler alert. Yeah, good idea. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's just how to describe this book. It's haunting, it's terrifying, it's fascinating, it's all the big adge- adjectives. Now that like the dust has kind of settled, so to speak, because this came out last year, how, how, like, how would you describe Sisters now that it's out in the world? Yeah, it's it's obviously really interesting to think about that now because it has been out for a while and I've been working on the next one. And so I see I feel quite far away from it. And then it was really interesting getting your questions and sort of having an opportunity to think about it again and think about why I wrote it and also think about why it fitted with this podcast and sort of what yeah. I wanted people to know about it. Yeah, for me, it really came about because I love horror. Uh, I was born on Halloween, so I sort of grew up the latest <laughs> surrounded by horror. Day. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and always sort of in the back of my head thought you know if I'm one day a writer I would like to write a horror novel and that was sort of the seed of it but as I wrote it and sort of you know I do a lot a lot of drafts it kind of changed and became more about this relationship between the two sisters and I think really about sort of relationships between women and kind of the boundaries and the blurring in that and and also you know it's been called a kind of a sort of COVID-esque book I guess kind of an isolation book which I think is quite interesting because obviously when I wrote it, I didn't, uh, I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know we were all going to be in quarantine. But I think I, you know, I do quite like that because it is a book about isolation and people kind of being on their own and being disconnected and cut off emotionally and physically from those around them. Um, so that's, yeah. Yes, it, it is so much. And I think that's probably the great thing about well, a nerve wracking thing is that as a writer, your book can mean different, slightly different things, you know, to slightly different people. And the, the the women, as you said, so there are three women, kind of the two teenage sisters, September and July, who are just 10 months apart in age. Um, they are also preternaturally close, um, which I know that was something in, that came up in book club. People, a lot of our members, the majority are, are female and um, not everyone has sisters, but a few people commented on how close they were and how that made them uncomfortable when they were reading. So you have September and July, a lot of stuff goes down between them, but you also have their mum, Sheila. Mm -hmm. And I found that kind of generational relationship or connection also really interesting because, I mean, I'm now closer (laughs) to Sheila, Sheila in age, you know, even though I don't have children of my own yet. So there's this, there's this kind of haunted feeling throughout. Still kind of keep it spoiler free. There's also possession. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say generational trauma. Sheila is is living in the aftermath of an abusive relationship with Peter, the girl's father. So, so the connection basically is is strange. It's quite odd. It doesn't feel very comfortable. And I've heard you on other podcast interviews, and you're not writing about your own family. Here. <laughs> <laughs> so, how how did these characters take shape once you kind of put pen to paper or started? Uh, writing on the computer yeah so I think the sisters were there quite early um yeah so yeah they're called September and July after sort of their um the months they were born in and they were there really early but I wasn't no I was never quite sure who the narrator was so I tried Mm. you know at one point it was narrated by one of them and then it's now narrated by the other one and their relationship sort has changed a lot as the as the book kind of has has gone on Um, okay and has become, as you say, a very much about one sister is the sort of stronger sister. Um, it's quite mm. possessive, it's quite controlling. And I wanted it to be sort of a book slightly balanced on the edge where as a reader, you have to decide what, you know, what exactly is happening? How controlling is this relationship? Is it a good relationship? You know, what are the boundaries of love? And yeah, yeah how important is that? And then Sheila, there's almost always a mother somewhere in everything I write. I think I'm slightly <laughs> obsessed with mothers. Um, <laughs> but her voice came in a lot later. And I think I wanted to hear from her for like a number of reasons, partly because it's quite an intense novel. It's set over quite a short amount of time in not very many places. And I think I needed her voice as sort of as a breath of fresh air a little bit. I think sometimes narratives all in the first person can feel quite heavy. And I wanted the reader to have a chance to sort of step back and view what was happening. I also, I think, really wanted a mother who struggles to be a mother, which Sheila really, really does. You know, at the beginning, the bit we heard, they're driving to this cottage in Yorkshire and they arrive there um, and the girls kind of go inside and then the mother comes in after them and she immediately goes upstairs and shuts the bedroom door. And we don't really see her for the rest of, for a large amount of the book. And I think I'm interested in exploring what happens when you become a mother and you're not necessarily able to be a good mother? Where does the person that you were before go? And uh, yeah, things like that. Absolutely fantastic. Thanks for thanks for that kind of explanation there. I think as well, we're used to not trusting narrators because mm. it has become a real thing in books, you know, the unreliable narrator. So I thought it was great to have the two different narratives and in different persons. So as you've said, July is first person and Sheila is third person. Mm-hmm. And Sheila prov- provides a bit of a break from July because July mm-hmm. is intense. She is anxious. That comes off the page. She's also clearly processing September's behavior and mm-hmm. behavior and treatment of her. So it was nice nice with this book funny word to use um but yeah it was it was great to see from Sheila because it helped either fill in a few gaps Mm -hmm. or or realize that September was incredibly complex and was potentially abusive and controlling and all the things Mm -hmm. that we kind of grasp and feel that she is but I also loved Sheila because I felt like she asked big questions I feel for me in terms of feminism Mm -hmm. and and as you've just mentioned there motherhood specifically Sheila is also creative she's an artist she's an author and illustrator and again the 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 girl's father we learn has died and he was also kind of abusive Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a lot going on. She's a single parent. She struggles to be a mother or struggles to, maybe we should say, struggles to fit society's idea of what a good mother is. 
And she also writes her children into her books as well, Mm -hmm. which also feels a little too close for comfort. And actually, that was a question that I had for you, because Mm -hmm. as I mentioned before we started recording, you've seen the books that we've read before as a book club. And this one may not scream intersectional feminism. Mm -hmm. And it did come up whilst we were talking because we talk in breakout rooms between Mm -hmm. between like four or five people and then we come back together as a group and someone did say that in their breakout room they had questioned the how this fit into feminism Mm -hmm. I obviously have thoughts and feelings about that but I would love to hear from you that when you were writing sisters you know are you feminist did you have feminism at the forefront of your mind how how did kind of feminism play into it for you Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I'd love to hear what you think as well. But so, yeah, I am feminist, obviously. Um, (laughs) Welcome to the club. (laughs) That would be an embarrassing reveal on the feminist club. Oh my God. Uh, Zoom's not working anymore. We can't record. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and I suppose um, I've always written about women and Mm. I've always been, you know, and I mean that in an intersectional way. And I've always been really interested in what it means to be a woman, what it means to be, you know, a woman as a character in a book Mm. and what it means to be a woman and have relationships with other women's with other women's with other women more specifically I think this book is feminist because for a number of reasons I think the motherhood is a big thing I think Mm. I think as you say our society is so weird about mothers you know we have incredible ideas about what you should be as a mother and I, I became a mother eight months ago and I certainly have sort of encountered the the kind of guilt tripping of you know you you can't you're never quite doing the right thing um as a mother and I think I really wanted to explore that and I've always wanted to explore that I think it's also really a book about like bodies um and what it means to have a body um and what it means to kind of have boundaries up around your body um and where do those boundaries blur and become different it's a book where kind of the idea of a female body begins to stretch and expand around other things so actually the house in the book is a body as well and the girl's bodies sort of interact with that and that's something I've always been really interested in exploring as I guess a feminist writer is Mm. what does it mean as a woman to have one of these you know strange bodies which is doing all these strange things um you know and I don't think I sit down and think I'm going to write a feminist book now no but but certainly I think it is a feminist text in that what you're talking about in about intergenerational trauma I think is really Mm. is really interesting and is something I always want to explore is this idea of um, I think in every book I write there's something buried underneath the surface um, and we're never quite sure what it is but it's always starting to come up and just appear and we sort of see suggestions of it and what it might be and the characters are sort of impacted by it in very different ways and certainly for me being a woman that's really really important you know I think many women have these things buried underneath um, underneath you're only sort of aware of what they are and then you begin to see more of them as you get older and begin to understand them a bit better but I think that's maybe the main reason it's a book about feminism you know it's about Mm -hmm. trauma and how and kind of the edges of trauma and how we can cope with trauma and um yeah in various different ways and how we can cope with trauma when the people kind of traumatizing us are either dead or are related to us um you know are our sister how how do we kind of deal with that yes yes absolutely uh thank you for sharing that because that was another feeling that I personally had when reading is that this could happen this could happen to any of us Mm -hmm. we could be in these relationships I think as as women as women you know violence never feels too far away unfortunately Mm -hmm. and I think this this book reminded me of that 
And I think in terms of just speaking to, to, to feminism, I, I, on top of all of the things you have just mentioned, which I felt agree with, mm-hmm. I think there's something about the horror genre as well. I, I've read some Shirley Jackson, but uh, her, 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 her well-known ones, so The Lottery, mm-hmm. um, The Haunting of Hill House, and We Have Always Lived in the Castle, which two sisters are home. Hello. Yeah. And I think, you know, Shirley Jackson wrote about the kind of the, the, the domesticity of horror. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like even just as a literary genre, it is something that perhaps people think is dominated by male writers. Mm-hmm. But there have been women writers like Shirley Jackson, like um, I have Helen Oyeyemi, oh, yeah, Writers for yeah. Witching. I, I feel like, you know, there have been women paving, women writers paving the way. And the horror written by women, I'm, I'm kind of trying, I'm struggling, but like, it can't be anything but feminist, I want to say, which is mm-hmm. a huge statement. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're banging on the table. <laughs> um, but, but yes, horror, I feel is, yeah, a literary genre that perhaps mm. has, has been dominated by men. But when women's voices have been added mm-hmm. to that, it adds another layer and an audience can get something from that if mm-hmm. that yeah it does and I think there's a real kind of obviously you know writers like Shirley Jackson were very early and Daphne du Maurier yeah. is another one but yeah I think there's recently a real kind of reclamation of the horror genre you know uh, films like It Follows or The Babadook or Girl Walks Home Alone at Night sort of taking it and actually making it very transgressively feminist which I think is really interesting because mm women characters often can come across quite badly in horror you know we're often killed first or kind of our, the bodies are always on view in a kind of yeah a very problematic way and I but I think that that's been changing and that's been being explored in a different way um yeah and I think I think you're right there's something there is something about horror which I think works really well it paired with feminism I think mm. potentially because women characters are not supposed to be the scary ones um, yeah. and when they are that can be quite yeah transgressive I think and Shirley Jackson obviously is just is a brilliant brilliant example of it and I think yeah you're right about the domesticity as well she like she more than anyone does the domestic really well and I really wanted sisters to feel like that you know they spend a lot of the novel kind of just sat on the sofa watching David Attenborough <laughs> or like eating you know baked beans or cheese sandwiches and I yeah. wanted those sort of little moments which we all have to be kind of filled with with horror that you you feel there's kind of a build and a build and a build of of threateningness which potentially I suppose is what it does feel like to be a woman but you know all of those little moments build and build and build and build until they are kind of ginormous yeah and and like you said you know July and September are at an age that I mean they kind of appear younger they seem younger they come across as younger Mm -hmm. uh, than they actually are they're kind of late teens but it's at that that age where you know they are discovering things like sex and mean girls and yeah sexting and you know and that's only the stuff that yeah later on you can process emotionally and think oh gosh that was done to me and that wasn't fair you know kind of kind of thing and that there's just there's yeah there's a lot of that going on I thought a lot of yeah, this really spoke to me as, as feminist, basically. Yeah, so thank really. you for adding your thoughts. No, I'm glad, um, yeah. I think that. Uh, one, the one more thing was mm. that came to me as you were talking was I wanted them, I wanted the way that they view boys in the book to be very kind of outwardly sexualized in a way. You know, I wanted, there, are, you know, there aren't that many men in the book, 
but there are a couple who July fancies and I wanted the way that she looked at them and then the way that they're written in the book to be quite almost I suppose the way that women have been written in the past you know which which both I suppose is a commentary on that but also to give the sisters some kind of agency in being sexual beings who you know are looking at boys and thinking oh I like your body for this reason and this reason and this reason and I enjoyed writing that and wanted that to be something really important in the book I think Mm. um kind of the way they observe male bodies yeah I haven't thought about that actually but now that you've said it 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 makes total sense and (laughs) I think thank you for that insight because I think that's really nice and something that needs it's one of those things that you don't even realize as a reader but it needs to be it should be written more like that yeah (laughs) (laughs) thank you thank you Daisy for that um yeah I mean there's well, there's also there's something that has kind of come up for me as, as we've been speaking about like women's bodies, women's relationships, women, feminism. And this did come up at, at book club as well. Mm-hmm. There's something about women being mean to other women that always mm-hmm. hurts more than men being mean to women mean. Sorry, but, you know, mistreating mm-hmm. women. It, mm-hmm. It's almost like we're, we're kind of used to that. But when women do it, it's really like, oh. and it is shocking what September does. Mm-hmm. and some some of that I need to think about this some of why it's shocking is because she is a girl a young woman doing it to another young woman and someone mentioned that about how if September were a boy would we be as shocked or as disgusted and mm. um, obviously we would disagree with the behavior completely but would we be as yeah as disgusted or as shocked then we are with September because she's she's a girl. So that was that was another thing as a reader that made me think and put me out of my comfort zone as yeah. well. Yes, thank you. Yeah, yeah, good. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks yeah. for all the terror, Daisy. <laughs> and I the wonder, sleepless nights. <laughs> I wonder if something if that is to take it back to the body again. If mm. the reason it's so if kind of you know the way September treats July is so horrific is that you know they're similar in many in many ways they're the same Mm -hmm. age and they're going through the same bodily changes so September knows exactly you know what July is feeling you know and sort of how to attack her in very particular ways yeah and it is it's not it's not really an equal relationship but it is a kind of bodily equal relationship I suppose you know they're probably they're, Mm. they're the same strength as one another in a way that potentially if July had a brother um he wouldn't be and a lot of what September does isn't isn't physical but is sort of verbal or mental Mm. or um in a way that um, potentially with a boy you know I have a younger brother and I I don't know how much of this is probably upbringing but uh, you know Mm. he was very physical in a way that my sister and I I think probably weren't and you know arguments with him would have been sort of sorted out in a different way than my (laughs) my sister and I (laughs) Um, I mean I think they're codes that were sent quite young and we don't realize that you know little girls are told very early on to you know behave respectfully and you can't use your hands or whatever whereas I feel like we give more leeway I mean I'm not like judging your parents or your brother or anything, <laughs> but as women I, I think it's just one, one more thing that we are conditioned to from a really really young age and yeah what you said about the kind of physical strength between September and July is more matched than mm. if it had been a brother and a sister dynamic and I yeah I really wanted this sort of age them being really close in age I wanted to be yeah. both uncomfortable because obviously the relate the mother's relationship with their father is not a good one um mm. so the fact they're very close is, is not it's supposed to be problematic um yeah. but also you know w- w- my sister was a 
I think she was maybe not the year under me, but the year under that at school. So at some point we began to have the same parties, um, wow. <laughs> which really changed our dynamic. And mm. we got on very, very well um, most of the time. But I think that I wanted that to be something with September and July. You know, they're hanging out with the mm. same people. They're yeah. September isn't really, but they could be fancying the same people. They could have the same friends. Totally. And I think that that could be quite troublemaking or certainly is for yeah. them. Yes, it can be. Yeah, that can create tensions on top of tensions yeah. <laughs> already within a sibling dynamic. A couple of kind of, again, sorry to go back to the writing a little mm-hmm. bit. Certain people, certain book club members uh, felt when they were reading that what was ultimately going to happen was that September would actually somehow get July to inflict potentially lethal violence upon herself because they have that creepy game September says um and so people thought yeah that maybe September would tell July to do something and July would do it because she seemed to see look for September's approval everywhere and did you like at what point did you know how things would end up for your characters and you did not let us up like (laughs) This is no happy ending scenario (laughs) for anyone who might be listening and has not read the book until the very last dots. Yeah. What point did you know how things would end for each of your characters? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hard to remember. I think I wrote, so the last, last page is, um, I think I wrote quite early. Oh, Um, yeah <laughs> oh. <laughs> so I think I had a sense and I and I wasn't really sure what it was but I, I think I had a sense of something like that and I didn't know you know in the book I want the character the readers to get to the end and for them not to be quite sure what's happened and for you and for you to make your own decision about it you know yeah. and everything I write I want um there to be some kind of reader agency um mm. in that you could decide it's one way you could decide it's the other and that's very purposeful um but I did have a sense of that something could like that could happen. There's, there's also a particular scene in the book which is set in a storm, and I had that image in my head quite early on. Um, at the okay. school I went to, um, there was kind of these old abandoned tennis courts in the forest, which I vaguely remember. Um, and so I had an image of that in the storm. But I think I didn't know, you know, for a long time September wasn't quite as extreme as she is in this final draft. And it was, I think, as I wrote the drafts and deleted a lot and wrote, uh, you know, it became very um, stripped down and she became this quite extreme character. Um, right. And she changed, quite, she changed quite a lot of the way through. And I think probably the person who changed the most though was July. And the, I think the narrator is so important because it, it, you know, it, it stands in, the black person stands in for the reader. They are the reader's yeah. eyes. And yeah. so that in everything I write, the narrator is often the final person to sort of, crystallized because it's there's such an important character and we have to be able to kind of sit on their shoulder or be mm-hmm. in their head and so the kind of balance of how you know how much agency does July have and how strong mm-hmm. is she and yeah so there are some scenes about um some kind of sexting and some unpleasant things which happened to July around that and where is her agency in that yeah. changed a lot you know and how much is she hiding from September and mm. how much does September know what's going on so those sorts of kind of incremental things about who knows what and who doesn't and who's doing what kind of changed mm. a lot throughout the process and a lot with working with different editors but I knew that there needed to be something relatively big at the end there's also a scene where the reader is slightly tricked um, where you think something's happened and then actually hasn't happened um, and that came l- much much later 
really 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 late and I had one of those wonderful moments where I woke up in the night and thought of it and I was like oh my god <laughs> yeah, this down. so rarely so so rarely but just sort of that kind of click of being like this is how I want the reader to feel in this particular moment you know and you have to be careful tricking a reader you have to be careful with unreliable yeah. narrators because certainly as a reader sometimes if you go too far you'll be like the reader might be like oh they've lost, lost credibility yeah. I'm not going to yeah can I ask what are you which point are you talking about I I didn't feel tricked I'm like, I'm tricked <laughs> there's a scene where um July is kind of at the bottom of the stairs and she starts walking up the stairs and then we begin kind of seeing the things in the future that, that are happening and then oh yes oh yeah. of course yes the, the huge trick yes sorry <laughs> that was brilliant but for yes. a long time that wasn't in it was sort oh. of we we weren't we didn't kind of go through everything that could happen. Hey, if that okay. makes sense. Yeah. Yes, it does make sense. Thank you. I'm sorry, I forgot that very pivotal. No, no, moment. no. <laughs> and, so that, and that scene of her sort of standing on the stairs and then yes. lifting one foot up. I, I I rarely have kind of moments where I'm like that is exactly what needs to happen there, but that is mm. I'm very felt like that was what needed to go there. Uh, yeah. And it was so good because I fell hook, line, and sinker. <laughs> um, <laughs> And it's really interesting to hear you say about that agency that you like to give your readers. Mm -hmm. um, because in the particular breakout room that I was in, we did have um, a reader say, ask us about the ending and, and what we thought. And she was actually, she said, well, I mean, I thought maybe we were going into magical realism terror, uh, territory. And then another uh, member was like, yeah, I mean, I'm calling psych disorder, you know, <laughs> so it, it was really interesting. I'm yeah. completely undecided. I mean, uh -huh. the characters have just like, the book has stayed with me. I've reread it now and I will probably reread it in another year to terrify <laughs> myself. But for me, that's okay. I don't need to know in a way, mm -hmm. which might seem odd to some people, but already just rereading it and understanding certain scenes and who they were actually happening to mm -hmm. was like already enough for me to be seeing it from like a different perspective. Yeah. But really, I really like what you said about, yeah, giving the reader agency. Good. Yeah, I think that's, that's really one, nice. of, one of my favorite thing about horror is, you know, I often think and Stephen King actually does this and he does it really well. But I often think mm. if you see the monster, it, you know, it's too late. You've sort of lost the fear. Yes. And kind of. I think horror is so good at balancing in that space between you're not sure if something's happening or if it's about to happen and sort of yeah. riding that very the thin line. Yeah. 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 The and tension the lottery is red. so yeah the lottery is so good at that because you don't oh. really know you know there's the pile of rocks but you don't know until the end quite what's happening. And I yeah, think as long as you can ride that line then that I think that's the perfect place mm. to exist. And I kind of wanted to see if I could ride all the way to the end and still have you, you know, on riding that line of, I'm not sure where, quite where we are. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> just, it's incredible to hear from you about writing it because I'm just like, I'm so in awe. I mean, you mentioned that there were a lot of drafts, but I am so in awe at like how you did this in under 200 pages, how you kept, like how things made sense. There were no kind of gaping, wait that totally contradicts with what oh, happened good. like it just absolutely incredible and so yeah it's amazing oh, I'm <laughs> yeah um, I wanted it to be longer I don't know why but I was kind of determined oh, it would be longer I don't and think, then I don't think I'm glad that it's not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well 
well that's the thing it's quite an intense book and I think it's already too intense for um some people so I think it had to be the length mm. of and sort of yeah yeah yes we could only take so much Dave (laughs) (laughs) one one final question specifically Mm -hmm. about the book before we maybe get on to like reading and books on a a more general is water I've just realized when you read the 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 very opening water is mentioned there's for me uh quite an important scene in the book that has I would say has the largest presence of of water while Mm. it happens and I know I've heard you um say uh, it was on the spooky stories podcast with Julia Armfield which was really lovely you mentioned uh that water features quite prominently in your writing Mm. um it's something that you consider it's a source that can bring things to the surface which really speaks to me so when you were writing that scene and trying not to spoil everything it is a sex scene uh, mm-hmm. between one of the sisters uh, when they're hanging out with youths um, <laughs> um, from the local town it's like the one time when it's just not just them and yeah that, that that does happen kind of on the beach by mm-hmm. the sea I wondered how you kind of brought those two things together or maybe it's mm-hmm. unrelated yeah 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 so for a big a big stretch of when I was writing the book we were living in a camper van in um sort of around Yorkshire I was teaching at York um and so we kind of went up and I taught a day a week um and then the rest of the time kind of drove around the Yorkshire coast and kind of the Yorkshire um the Yorkshire moors and sort of I was trying to write and you know also trying to live in a camper van with my yeah um six foot smelly boyfriend oh my gosh <laughs> um and so partly the reason it's set there is because that was kind of the landscape I was in yeah um, at the time yeah the other reason is um water is in a lot of the things I write because of what we've been talking about you know the sense of something buried under the surface and the yeah. water being the metaphorical kind of analogy of that the other reason and I was thinking about this kind of in with hindsight today is I think so most of the book is set in this kind of tiny, tiny cottage, which is yeah. you know falling apart and kind of grubby and has out of date food. And, yeah. you know, the Wi-Fi comes and goes and it's a very kind of enclosed, claustrophobic space. Mm-hmm. There's also on the coast a kind of um, bird viewing box, which the sisters go to sometimes. And that's kind of another very, very enclosed space. Yeah. Um, and I suppose representing their relationship being mm. being claustrophobic and uh, like un- inescapable. And then the beach is is as you say it's one of the only moments that they're with another group of people um and so it's a very different tone I think from the rest of the book and I think I wanted it I wanted it to feel that way because you know there are there are moments in the book when July could break free from this relationship and I think that is that is one of those moments you know um and and I think the kind of the openness of the beach as compared to the kind of closeness of the of the house where they are and the kind of the sea being there I think is sort of supposed to it sort of represents that you know it's a that possibility yeah that, that possibility freedom that yeah. change of yeah sitting on the sofa eating sandwiches and watching yeah. David Asperger with something yeah yeah Brilliant. it's a different it's a just a different mm. place but it is a stark stark contrast like mm. it is it is noticeable and it's effective yeah although obviously you know then you think about Yorkshire beaches and <laughs> it's not like Mallorca you know it, it's going to be cold and it yeah. is that kind of that's for me um epitomizes being a teenager I grew up in the countryside you know and sitting in the cold around like a really disappointing fire um <laughs> drinking kind of like warm lager 
Um, Happy, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I kind of wanted there to be, you know, it's a book about being a teenager and about that yeah. really awful, awkward age. And I wanted there to be some of that, you know, some of that, the, un- the uncomfortableness of being a teenager in a group and getting too drunk and not quite knowing what yeah. to do and, you know, not yeah. quite knowing what to do with your body or how to move your body or certainly yeah. around, you know, especially for July because she's she's very shy and she's never really interacted with anyone apart yeah. from September how you know how to be around the people you fancy you know that you're sexually attracted to and you've never been sexually attracted to anyone before yeah and I want yeah and that needed to be outside of the house I think that needed to be somewhere oh yes different yeah yeah brilliant thank you for that <laughs> okay so whew, let's um just close close the page for now on on these mm-hmm. characters and on the book and let's talk about you a little bit your writing your reading are are you it might sound like an odd question but what kind of a reader are you are you do you read a lot are you an audiobook fan what's your current reading mood I suppose yeah interesting (laughs) good question so I'm a one book person at a time oh okay yes that's interesting (laughs) yes Um, although saying that I'm a one book a physical book and a one audiobook person at a time ah Um, yeah yeah so I have kind of a wife and a, and a mistress <laughs> <laughs> and yeah I try I try and read as much as I much and I possibly can and I used to read a lot you know two books a week and then the you know the baby has de- slightly decimated my reading pile no. but I'm still reading and I'm still finding it very you know I, I don't think I don't think as a writer you can expect people to read your books and not also read other people's books you know I think it's really really mm. important to to do that um so I've just finished The Great Circle um, by Maggie Ooh. Shepstead, which was just on the Booker shortlist um, and is very good. And I was so, I was reading that sort of on holiday, um, which was exciting. And then I'm also, yeah, listening to a lot of audiobooks as I kind of walk or, you know, do pram naps and really, really enjoying that. Yeah. Is that an answer all of your questions? Yes, that's perfect. Thank you. I'm a slightly stressed out reader, actually, because I just I don't know about you, but my book piles are just teetering to the point of, you know, they're going to oh. crush someone. Um, absolutely and then you open up yes I I fully empathize because then you also open Instagram and you there's bookstagram and it's (laughs) such a like it's a lovely community and it's a very positive thing but Mm. like not for my bank account not for my TBR file like (laughs) (laughs) and so I sometimes get stressed out about um I think I've only recently got more comfortable with the idea of taking the time to reread things mm, nice. or being okay with not reading something that has just come out. Yeah. And that's no one else's fault. That's the pressure that I put on myself. So I hear you on the, 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 the stressed thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> last thing, I suppose, if you want to share, you mentioned that, you know, you're, you're working on your next, um book um would you be able to like share anything about that or when we can expect it no pressure yeah just um, is it different to sisters yeah it's really different and um I've been working on it quite a while now and yeah I think my publisher would also like to know when they might expect it but (laughs) (laughs) so hopefully they don't listen to this podcast (laughs) um it's really long which is very different I've never worked on anything as long as this before um and yeah, it, sh- it shares kind of a lot of the same interests as sisters. It's about it's about motherhood, um, okay. and it's sort of about I suppose um, you know we talked about um, Sheila, the character in Sisters, um, is a mm-hmm. writer, and she writes about her daughters, 
um mm. and I was interested in the time about kind of the um the morals of that you know and there's a yeah. lot of fiction around at the moment you know we're kind of in the era of um Nasgard and Rachel Cusk and Ben Lerner yes and I'm really interested in kind of you know should you write about your family um wh- where is the line that you should stop um, yeah so it's really exploring that um Ooh, interesting. yeah and some days it's going well and some days it's going awfully um oh. <laughs> and hopefully out of the enormous enormous monstrous draft <laughs> something will be hacked that you one day can read <laughs> of course and we we look forward to it but I mean actually I have to admit um I I have put an order in at Shakespeare with, for uh, everything under and Fen because oh. Sisters was your first was actually your first piece of writing that I managed to mm. to read, and I've been listening to, gosh, it's so deliciously creepy the um, the hotel. Oh yeah, thank you. Yeah. Oh, it's fantastic. It's absolutely fantastic. I've been listening to that on my wood walks during the day scaring myself yeah it's very scary but very incredibly rich and again as a woman hearing stories about you know kind of it's got a lot that I like in it yeah Um, I hope you enjoy the other um, books though yes of course but I sorry I brought that up um Mm. to to kind of mention because everything under was your was your first uh no was it Fen the short story collection Mm. that came out first but um everything under was your first kind of novel that's right yeah that ended up being shortlisted mm-hmm. for the booker. Yeah. And then garnered you the title of uh, youngest ever writer. <laughs> um, how, I mean, how does that, how, how does that change your writing? Does it, you know, these kind of achievements and accolades must help on the one hand. Yeah. But yeah, how, how was that experience for you? Yeah, it was, um, it was amazing and very overwhelming. And, you know, um, yeah, it changed my whole life, really. And, you know, I I wasn't, I wasn't working full time as a writer before. And then afterwards, I could, which was really, really, really good. I also, thankfully, had already started Sisters, I had quite a good draft. um, And I think that really saved me from kind of leaving the madness of that, and then immediately sitting down at a blank screen. I think actually, that was really, really, really good. Um, okay. I've heard other writers say that you know coming out of something like that experience which is so public and you know um yeah. and then having to think oh can I write a book which is going to do well <laughs> again yeah. is quite overwhelming um yeah. but yeah it was a really it was a really amazing experience it was really really weird and it was very weird the young thing I found really really weird <laughs> I can imagine I can imagine because I noticed that suddenly everywhere you were being described as you know the youngest ever uh, book of price shortlist and I thought gosh that's a lot yeah. <laughs> like that's that's a lot to carry you know I mean obviously huge congratulations Thank but you. I think sometimes we can forget that writing is still if one can make it their full-time job it is still you know a job a way of your income and therefore like you shared Daisy there are good days there are bad days yeah you know it's not all like butterflies and birds singing and you know you just knocking out however many words you can get on that day it's yeah <laughs> like anything creative it can also be arduous and a little bit painful at yeah. times I think it has to be I think there has to be yes. some I think that they have to hurt a bit as they come out <laughs> <laughs> well listen Daisy thank you so much for your time thank you so much for sharing your perspective on sisters um and yeah 
if you come to Paris, hit me up for restaurants, <laughs> wine bars, whatever. Um, and just good luck with the baby, writing your next thing. We shall be following and uh, eagerly kind of waiting for news of it. No pressure. Yeah. Um, and thank enjoy. Thank you so much. It was so good, <laughs> was so good yeah. to talk to you. And thank you for doing the book on the book club. Um, oh, of yeah. course. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely great. The nightmares were worth it. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you. Thanks. Enjoy the rest of your day. Hi. Bye. Bye. <laughs>